It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. When Danielle Klein talked about licking the S&H green stamps, it brought back such a vivid memory that I could almost taste them. And I completely related to her when she was listing off the seven steps of the creative process. I want to thank Annie Smith, who was on a previous episode, for introducing Danielle to a Quilter's Life podcast. And I'm so glad that Danielle connected with me so that we could have such a wonderful visit. So happy to chat with Danielle today. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, but nervous too. (laughs) (laughs) I want to make sure I pronounce your name correctly. It's Danielle Klein. Yes. That's amazing that you said it right because... I say most people get it wrong, but I was named after this man named Dan, and his middle initial was L. It was my dad's mentor, and I think they thought they were having another boy, actually, because my dad had a whole line of boys in his family, and then they had two sons and pretty much thought I was going to be a boy, too, so it would be <laughs> Daniel, but it came out Dan L. Oh, so once I tell people that, then they get it right. Otherwise, it's mostly done now. Danielle, tell me about where you were born and raised. I was born in Provo, Utah, and during my early childhood years, we lived in a small rural town, Syracuse, Utah, and it's grown quite a bit since those last 50 years. And when I was in sixth grade, we moved to Puyallup, Washington. That's between Seattle and Tacoma. And a new sales territory had opened up there with my dad's job. So we moved there to be closer to my paternal grandparents who lived in Seattle. Then after a couple of years there, my dad got a promotion into management. So we moved to Santa Ana, California. Then after a couple more years, he figured that the extra money wasn't worth it. Being away from home so much and leaving my mom to deal with teenagers. So he took another sales position, and we moved just south of San Jose, California, to Morgan Hill. And I remember as a teenager then, I thought, why did we come to this hick town after living in the infamous Orange County? But I've lived here ever since, and Morgan Hill has also grown over the past 45 years. Can you share a special childhood memory? Sure. I really was one of those lucky people that had a great childhood. I had good friends and the freedom to play and ride my bike all over the place. I mean, it was a time when playdates weren't even invented yet. So my family had a lot of fun camping trips and vacations to visit my grandparents. And this one particular memory I have in mind has to do with my favorite color at the time. You might recall back when grocery stores and gas stations would give customers trading stamps like SNH green stamps and gold strike stamps, blue chip stamps. Those are the ones I can remember. But after a certain number of stamps were collected, then the stamps could be cashed in for household items or 
toys, you know, that kind of thing. And as a young child, I would lick these stamps into booklets. Yes, lick. This was before pre-COVID times. Anyway, I'd lick the stamps into those special booklets. And when I was probably about eight years old, my mom had told me that I could choose new twin bedspreads for my sister and I. And I was like so very excited to go to the catalog store. And I just fell in love with these beautiful red satin bedspreads. And I distinctly remember my mom trying to persuade me to choose the more practical yellow chenille ones. But I had my mind set on those red satin ones. And my mom was true to her word. And I got the bedspreads of my choice, however impractical they were. <laughs> but didn't you just love walking into your room and seeing those? Oh, I, I did love those. No regrets. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I feel like a bit of a stalker. I did check your <laughs> Facebook page and I saw your wedding picture. So how did you meet your husband? Let's see. Well, <laughs> that story, <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. He was my boyfriend's roommate. <laughs> so I was totally in love with my boyfriend. His name was also Dan, and his middle initial was L, Daniel L, who was the man I was named after. That's how I got my name. So I thought it was meant to be, but it wasn't. <laughs> Thank goodness. After I look back, thank goodness. Anyway, so Doug, my husband, we would double date and we just became really good friends. And then I went off to a year at college and came back and just happened to see him in town. And we went out to lunch or something. And that was it. We're together ever since. <laughs> Great. Have fun. Is there anything else about your family you'd like to share with me? Well, we have five grown daughters and five granddaughters and one grandson. We finally got our boy. <laughs> Is he the youngest? The two youngest are both three and they're just a month apart. Wow. Yeah. So he's not quite the youngest, but he's almost the youngest. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your employment. Okay, I have been with my company for almost 24 years. They manufacture very high-tech microwave test measurement equipment, and I work in the export department, making sure that all the international shipments are in compliance with local and foreign laws. And it was really a matter of who you know and the good Lord looking out for me that I started working at Enritsu for five years. Prior to that, I was working in the middle of the night delivering newspapers for the San Jose Mercury. So that was seven days a week. And the sleep deprivation was just killing me off. So my good friend recommended to her husband, who was a manager over there, to get me a job. <laughs> so I did have to go through the interview process. And I did pass it all and worked my way up, so to speak. Cool. That sounds like an intense job, though. It can be. <laughs> Besides quilting, what other crafts do you do or have you done? My mom taught me to embroider when I was young. 
In fact, this kind of goes back to the last question. I think that's how I passed my interview process with my employer. Because during that interview, I had to solder like itty bitty electronic components to a motherboard. And this was all done under a microscope. I'd never done that before. And so it was really strange. But the girl who was administering the test said that I had done really good. And I attest that to being very good at embroidery. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know the basic knitting and crocheting stitches and dabbled in card making. And I thought that I'd get into scrapbooking, bought all kinds of supplies, and then realized that you have to take pictures too. And I always forget to take pictures and I'm not very good at taking decent pictures anyway. So I have a lot of supplies. (laughs) (laughs) But I do like crafty things. Mm -hmm. What about other hobbies? I enjoy Sudoku puzzles. I think I pronounced that wrong. I think it's Sudoku puzzles. Uh, Working for a Japanese company, I should know that. (laughs) (laughs) I always pronounce it the way you first pronounced it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. You know what I'm talking about anyway. Yeah, I do quite a bit of those. And I like to do jigsaw puzzles too. In fact, I had to make a morning rule for myself. If a jigsaw puzzle's out on the table to just walk on by. Otherwise, I am guaranteed to be late for work. I get mm. you know too sidetracked. And I also like to listen to audiobooks and podcasts while I'm quilting. And I like to read. Neat. Do you have a favorite author? Oh, no. <laughs> that would, yeah, there's something about favorites sometimes seems, you know, too limiting. Yeah. So I have a many, not just one. <laughs> Do you like mysteries or other types? I'm pretty eclectic, I'd say. Although I like thoroughly enjoyed the Harry Potter series. For the most part, I'm not so much fantasy or science fiction, but... But I really did like those Harry Potters. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, pretty much everything else. Now we'll go on to some quilting questions. Okay. Who introduced you to quilting? My great-grandma and my great-aunt, they were avid quilters. And I always admired their work. You know, most of it was hand-done, too. And they'd give us quilts for Christmas and birthdays. And I thought, well, someday I'd like to learn that. But, you know, that's really just as as far as it went. It seemed too hard. (laughs) (laughs) And then in 2014, my friend Annie Smith taught me. And Annie Smith is a professional quilter. And you also interviewed her in a previous podcast. Uh Uh-huh. She's great. Yes, I love Annie. So... Annie had offered her quilting 101 class to some women at church, and I was so excited. I bought all the materials that were needed, and I read the entire book, Quilts, 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 by Diana McClun and Laura Nouns. That was the book that was used as the class text. Now, this might sound crazy, but I felt this spiritual bond to my great-grandma, if you will. and. Of course, she had long since passed, too. But one thing I did not expect was the crazy passion that I have for quilting. Some 
call it an obsession. But I think about quilts and quilting all the time. I even dream about it. <laughs> I'm curious what your dream is like. Oh, lots of times when I'm working on a quilt, then it's like how to construct it. Kind of a problem solving thing a lot of times of what even the colors to use. Just these thoughts just keep going and going. And yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, but that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I do. Like, okay, now it's figured out. <laughs> Describe your favorite quilt. I guess my favorite quilt is one that I made for my grandson, Dean. And that quilt was inspired by a painted wall entry of this cute little artisan shop in San Francisco's Dog Patch neighborhood. It was one of the first quilts that I designed myself. And along the way, I got really tripped up in the process. It totally reminded me of the seven steps of the creative process, which are one being, this is awesome. And the two, this is tricky. Three, this is terrible. Four, I am terrible. Five, this might be okay. Six, this is awesome. Seven, I am awesome. So I think in figuring out that muddled, terrible part and some self-discovery in the mix makes Dean's quilt extra special to me. How neat. Now, what was that area of San Francisco you just mentioned? It's Dog Patch District. Huh. I think that's just a cool little, little thing. <laughs> that's where my daughter was living at the time. Her daughter had a dance class in that neighborhood, and so she was showing me around, and we went into that shop, and just a cute little little neighborhood. Neat. Do you lean toward a certain color palette? I definitely lean towards the warmer colors, like orange, red, and yellow. So do you like the fall? Oh, I just made this Bonnie Hunter's Autumn Appalachian. That was the name of the quilt. Just finished it. And I'm totally in love with it. It has the fall colors in it. And it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> she has some pretty neat patterns out there. Oh, yeah. This one has like a million pieces in it, too. <laughs> Very scrappy. <laughs> what tool do you like to use? I'd have to say my seam ripper. We spend a lot of time together and are practically BFFs. <laughs> and the one that I like, the Fonz and Porter ergonomic seam ripper the best. And then speaking of ergonomic, I love the Ulfa ergonomic rotary cutter. That one's really been kind to my hand. And I love my 13 by 13 inch foam boards that are covered with batting for block layouts. And my phone is a really good tool for taking pictures and seeing the layouts and helps with seeing color value when you change it into the black and white. So obviously I have a lot of favorite tools. <laughs> <laughs> I forget at times to use my phone like that and it is very helpful. Yeah, pretty handy. Mm -hmm. Now with your phone block layout, 
do you have that on a wall or do you lay it out on the floor or how do you use that? They're just 13 by 13 inches and just regular foam board and covered just the one side with batting. And so each individual block, I can work on and take it to my sewing machine and pile them on top of each other. They're just, yeah, there. Oh, okay. Great. Hmm. What part of the quilting process do you like? Definitely piecing is my favorite with the design process a close second. I'm curious, people tend to love or hate binding. Where do you fall? I can't say we have a love affair, but I'm experimenting with different processes on the machine because I'm trying to preserve my hands. I think I'm starting to get some arthritis. Mm. And so I'm practicing and practicing more machine stitching and I'm getting better. I think I'm just about getting to where I have a favorite technique to use that looks pretty nice. So not that I hate it, but it's just not my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the one thing about that, though, is that's the final thing. And then you have your done quilt. Yeah. <laughs> so that part's great. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your worst quilting experience. It's always frustrating when I don't follow the admonition to measure twice, cut once. But the worst probably was when I sewed through my finger with the sewing machine needle. Ouch. Yes. And I had wondered before how that would ever happen to anyone. And now I know. <laughs> oh, there was also a time when I was doing a quilt along with Kim Deal's mini quilts. And the blocks were really small with little pieces. And I had started on one sewing machine. Then about halfway through, I sent my sewing machine out for maintenance and continued the project using another sewing machine. Well, when it came to putting this little mini quilt together, those blocks just would not fit. I got frustrated and wadded up the whole thing and threw it away. Well, not threw it away. I just put it aside <laughs> in a pile of other stuff. <laughs> then probably a year later, I saw on Instagram another quilter who had also done this quilt along, had finished hers up, and she had encouraged me to dig mine out and finish it. So I did. I unpicked most of it and started again and it turned out really cute. So when there's bad things happen, so to speak, then there's always lessons to be learned. Like sewing my finger through there, use a purple thing or a toothpick or something to push the fabric through rather than your finger. Then with that little project, I learned to stay with the same machine for the whole project and that sometimes it is best to put the project aside until you're in a better mental state to deal with it and also that it is great to encourage each other with kindness. Mm -hmm. Quilting is a great community. Yeah, you said it. It's a great community. Why do you make quilts? For the pure enjoyment. It just puts a smile on my face. I 
like the challenge and learning new skills. And like you just mentioned, it's such a big bonus for all the friends I've made. And who do you make your quilts for? I mostly make quilts for my family. And recently I've been making quilts for my daughter's friends who are having new babies. And I make a baby quilt for each grandchild as they come. And then I've started a tradition of when they turn two, I make them an I spy quilt. So that's been fun to figure out new creative ways to make my I spy. <laughs> and it's pretty much the same fabrics, just <laughs> the same. <laughs> Once I got them collected. <laughs> and I've made a few quilts for charities also. Oh, here's a funny story. A few years after I'd been quilting, my husband asked, well, when are you going to make me a quilt? And I told him, oh, it's right here. And it was a quilt that I had made from a block of the month project with my local quilt shop. The colors were black and brown, which really I never would pick, except that the fabrics were sewing related. So, you know, that was fun. And I had decided to make extra blocks to make it a king size. Then thought I'd maybe set up an Etsy shop and sell it. Well, when Doug asked me when he was getting a quilt, that black and white sewing themed quilt suddenly became his. And he was thrilled. He was just so thrilled to get it. And it's currently on our bed. <laughs> oh, I hope he knows the backstory already. So he's not surprised when he hears this. <laughs> when he hears this, like, oh, that wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> what are you working on right now? I have currently a couple of baby quilts and in between trying to finish up some UFOs and then the, those masks are still on the table over here. Still making masks. <laughs> yeah, I keep seeing people are still making them and I'm thinking we're not going to get to quit wearing them if we keep making them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to stop wearing them, but, yeah. you know, I have my own little wardrobe with those things now. <laughs> Describe your sewing area to me. It is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a special talent for working among chaos. So my sewing studio, I call it my sewing studio. My husband calls it my cue spot. <laughs> It's just a small bedroom in our house, and my husband transformed it with lots of cabinets and a floor-to-ceiling design wall, which is another favorite tool of mine. So this is where I spend a lot of time. Yeah. Is it bright? Yes, it has uh, some good natural light, and I think I'm going to paint it. It's painted the color it was previously when one of my teenage daughters had this room. It's kind of a green color, but yeah, I'll probably be painting the walls. But the cabinets are a pretty light kind of, I guess, French yellow. So they're nice. Wow. Please share a tip with me. Okay. My friend Carol had told me when I first started quilting about a time when she had made this beautiful queen size quilt for her sister-in-law's birthday. Well, the sister-in-law opened the gift and said, oh, a quilt. 
And she set it next to her and went on to open the next gift. So, you know, hopefully when a quilt's given, the receiver will love it and appreciate it. But that said, once you give it away, it's theirs to do with what they may. So don't be offended if it's not appreciated how you think it should be. For example, my supervisor was retiring and we had worked together for many years. And so I thought, oh, I will make her a quilt when she announced this because it happened pretty fast. So I worked late into the night making her this fabulous quilt, not to mention the cost and the long arm services. She opened it up at her retirement party and said, oh, this will be great for camping. I was crushed. But I remembered Carol's words and thought, well, it's not mine anymore. Luckily, another coworker had chimed in and said emphatically, you will not use this for camping. It's much too nice. And I like, oh, felt this relief. <laughs> <laughs> then later, my now former supervisor told me that her son loved cuddling up on that quilt while he was watching TV. So I just felt so much better. <laughs> <laughs> so another tip. This comes from one who gets hung up on perfectionism is to just do your best. No one's going to die if your points don't match up or something's not just so. Just live by the adage, if you can't see it from a galloping horse, it's fine. Those are great tips. Danielle, is there anything else you wanted to share with me? No, it's just it's really been a joy to chat with you and I appreciate you interviewing Regular Joes like me who have this crazy passion for quilting. And like you said, everybody does have a story. So it's so nice to hear about other people like me. Yeah, and I love hearing your story. So thanks for sharing today. Well, thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening. <music>